my good friend Mike Elogio. Now, Mike, uh, if you don't know Mike, he used to be our kids pastor a long time ago. Not that long ago. Probably longer than I thought. But very, uh, very much a man of God, a very good friend of mine, and I trust him with my soul, and so I can trust him with yours this morning. So would you welcome him as he comes up and just shares a message with us this morning? Thank you, sir. He said he trusts me, so get your checkbook out, get your credit card ready. That's fine. If he, if he, laid, he set it up for me, that's, that's fine. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Joel, chapter number two. Now, if you're not sure where Joel is, number one, it's in the Old Testament. Number two, it's to the right of Psalms. And number three, there's a, this is for the young people mostly. There's this ancient thing in a book called the Table of Contents. Or you can just look it up on your device and you'll be just fine, because that's normally what I do most of the time is look it up on my device. I think too many people never reach their potential because they do not appreciate what is, what is uniquely inside each and every one of them. I don't think anybody reaches their potential fully because they don't understand that. Let's, now, I have a couple of very simple examples to maybe share that to bring understanding to the house. But how about everybody that has straight hair wants curly hair and everybody that's got curly hair wants straight hair. And I know this to be a fact because I got a haircut yesterday because there was this weird wave going on my cowlick back here. And I was like, I can't deal with the curly hair. I always wanted straight hair. So I'm that guy. What about tall versus short? If you're a little in shorter stature, you always want to be tall. I have met a few really tall people that wish they were a little bit shorter. Not many, but uh, it can happen. It can happen. My son um, is about six feet tall. She's a little taller than me, and he wishes he was like, you know, 6'9", six 6'11", six or something. Um, and I wish he was, too, because the NBA might be calling at that point, you know, um, just because of that. But uh, there again, we're not satisfied with what's uniquely inside of us. And last uh, but not least, I work with a bunch of engineers that wish they were athletes. I don't meet a whole lot of athletes that wish they were engineers unless they weren't really that good of an athlete. And then they wish they had something to fall back on, too. But my point is, we always want something that we don't have. We're not as satisfied with what's already inside of us. Now, even in the church, we're not happy with our role. And if you doubt that you have a role in the church, you do. You have more of a role than just sitting and soaking it all in and taking it all in. You, you, you were designed for so much more than that. But so many times, and I've been just as guilty as anyone, I'm not satisfied with my role. When I was kids pastor here, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, I did. It was, it, it was a, a, wow, that got loud real quick. I apologize. I started uh, this curriculum, and it gave the opportunities for some skits, and I, I'm not going to... Um, perform one of those today because I got hurt really bad one time so now I have to share the story so I was playing this guy named Chuck Fu and Jennifer and David were back there so they they, they remember and Chuck Fu was this uh, crazy redneck karate guy and the kids loved him because I would come running out in my little half karate uniform kicking and falling and slipping and Chuck Fu's whole thing was he always got hurt doing something 
And so uh, one day, as it would have it, I came running out across the stage or across the concrete in the room. There's concrete over there, y'all. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Concrete is painful when you fall on it. And I threw a little kick in the air, and I slipped, and I fell, and I know I felt something crack. And I, I couldn't, you know, my ego wouldn't let the kids know that I was desperately hurt and dying. So I just, I grinned and bared it and looked at my wife, and she was like, oh, I'm praying for you. <laughs> See, I wasn't satisfied with my non-athletic ability. I wasn't satisfied with it. But God organized the church in such a way that we would all have a place, we would all have a purpose. And he set this in motion long ago. So if you have your Bibles and you open up to Joel chapter number two, we're going to start reading starting at verse number 28. Hopefully it'll be up on the screen and it is. Joel 2, 28. Then after doing all these things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Verse 29. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. Let's pray. Father, this is out of my hands from this point forward. This is completely up to you and for you and to bring glory to your kingdom. I pray in Jesus' name that you would open our hearts and minds to receive. It is my prayer, Father, that none of us would leave today the same as when we walked in. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen and amen. There are three things that I believe we can learn from this teaching this morning. And there may be three things that you haven't thought about. Many times when we talk about um, the birth of the church and the sending of the Holy Spirit to the, to the church, many times we get focused on just a few really loud things. That's not necessarily the full purpose. So, uh, number one, we're going to talk about the spiritual baptism and empowerment is for every believer. Number two, spiritual gifts are for building up the church, the church being the people. The building doesn't make up the church. It's the people that make up the church, and that's globally. And number three, your value is not tied to a gift. So we're just going to dive right in and talk about spiritual empowerment for every believer. Now, verse 28 said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. You have to have a little bit of Old Testament knowledge to understand exactly what Joel was saying at that moment. See, up to this point in time, the Holy Spirit was already active in the earth. All the way back in the beginning in Genesis, it said, and God created and God created. And that word God literally means the whole Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, present at creation. But the Holy Spirit was not indwelling in men and women fully as it can all believers today, because at that time it was selectively placed on certain people. Moses was filled with the Holy Spirit. King David moved at times in the Holy Spirit. Saul, King Saul, as bad as he was in the end, at the beginning, the Spirit of God rested upon him and he prophesied is what it says. Samson, Samson was able to defeat the Philistines because the Spirit rested upon him, and he walked and moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. But again, it was only select individuals at certain times as God instructed. But now here we read that God says he will pour his spirit upon all people, all believers. He will pour his spirit out 
in the future of all believers, and we live in that time now. All believers can and will walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not something new either. Moses spoke about this in Numbers eleven twenty nine when he said, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. Now, why would Moses want the spirit of God to rest on everyone? He was God's guy. He was the one that solely went up on the mountain and received instructions. He got the Ten Commandments. They were written on stone tablets for him, and it was his job to take those and bring them to the people and be kind of an intermediary between God and the people of Israel. Could it be that the work was so hard, Moses was like, seriously, God, I need some help. Would that the Spirit of God rest on everybody so I could get a break? So I could maybe go to Ecuador and do some work somewhere else knowing that my children and your children are fine. Absolutely. That is absolutely the reason that he wanted that. It requires the power of the Holy Spirit for us to be active in ministry. And I'm just going to say this. To be active in ministry does not mean that your weekly or monthly check is tied to the name of a church. All people are called to be active in ministry. All believers are active in some way. All believers should desire to be filled and overflow with the Holy Spirit and to serve the church through these gifts. Now, speaking of the gifts, there's an exhaustive list, and we can't possibly go over all of them this morning. We are going to talk about a few things. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says this, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. See, one of the things that happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit is God sometimes takes the natural things that are already in us when he created us and he amplifies it. Other times he gives us different things, different abilities, different giftings through the power of the Holy Spirit. I can tell you that I was, I I may not be a gifted speaker now, I don't know, but I am gifted by God to be a pastor and to be a biblical teacher. I don't feel that I'm qualified. I don't think anything I've done in my life up to this point actually says that I have the right to do that, but yet God still orchestrates it and uses me in that way. It doesn't make me better than you, though. Not at all. It just means that I've embraced the power of the Holy Spirit. I recognize the gift. Other people recognized it and helped me develop it, and now I'm using it. Whether I'm at work with my coworkers and we talk about the Bible and spiritual things, or whether I'm in a church setting, wherever I am, I'm to use my gift and to share it with others for the building up of the body of the church. It's not to be hidden. And the spiritual gifts are not to be used as weapons against other people. They're not. Now, I'm not going to talk about all the ways they have been used at weapons, but you can use your imagination, and you may have experienced that. What someone would say, but I, you know, I'm just here to share the truth, and then they just belittle you. That's not of God, and that's not the purpose of the gift. Now, I'll also say, just because God gifted someone and they step out of line with it doesn't mean God necessarily immediately withdraws that empowerment either. He gives us a little bit of grace. How many of you are thankful for grace? Because how many of us have made a mistake? And we're really thankful that we haven't been condemned immediately for that one mistake. I mean, I'm pretty sure I made three on the way to church this morning at some point. I know I was speeding, okay? I mean, it's just, there we go, it's out there. 
But if your gift hurts others, if it causes division or leaves a path of destruction behind you, it is not of God. It is not of God. You are not representing God. You are not representing Christ. And you need to seek repentance. And by repentance, I mean you need to be on your face in your private time or right now, if that's the case, and you need to be asking God for forgiveness. This is strictly between him and you. I'm not calling anyone out. Pastor Neil has not told me anything or asked me to address anything. This is the first time he's hearing it, too. But if that's you, I just want you to know this is God saying it's an opportunity for you to get right with him because he has so much more even for you. He does. It talks about a dream. A dream can provide direction, but it should never cause division, ever. A teaching should point people to the Christ, but never to the door. Let me repeat that because I think we need to let that one settle just a little bit. A teaching should always point people to Christ, but it should never point them to a door that leads them away from the body of Christ. We were made to fellowship with one another, to be united under the banner of Christ. We were never created to do this on our own, ever. No gifting should ever cause separation or division. If it does, it's just a work of the flesh. It's just a work of our own emotions, of our own desire for power, of our own desire to be recognized for something that God hasn't been put place, placed in us. But if it builds the body, if it encourages others, if it's uplifting, then it's of God. And you need to embrace that, embrace who you are in Christ. We're to be encouragers. Sometimes the Bible translation will say exhorters means encouragers. That's our job. We're to be encouragers of the truth. So it's been a while since I've seen one of these examples in real life, but sometimes you, you mostly now will see it on YouTube or some other social media platform. Well, there'll be one or more individuals, and they'll just be screaming hate in the name of Jesus. And they'll say, I hate this group. I hate this thing that they're doing. Maybe that thing they're doing is indeed sinful. And I don't have to name it. You probably have one or 15 on your mind already. But understand, God doesn't hate those people. He doesn't. I mean, we're, are we not all sinners? Is that what the Bible does say? I believe it is. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, our gifts should never be used to hurt another in person, online, in private moments. should always be used to encourage one another in the truth. Jesus says this in John 13, 35, that disciples will be known for their love for one another. The church is not to be known for what she stands against, but for what she stands for. The church should stand for unity. The church should stand for racial re reconciliation. The church should stand for the uplifting of believers, should raise high the banner of Christ, for truth, for justice. It should stand for all the things that Jesus died for, first and foremost, our souls, so that we can be reconciled to God. We shouldn't use our gifts to say solely what we stand against. That is not how God designed us. That is not why God sent the Holy Spirit. That's not why he gifted us. When in doubt, always remember, love always wins. 
When you're dealing with a coworker that is just angry and hateful, and don't raise your hand saying, I got that coworker. <laughs> love. Love no matter what. By the way, if you don't know who that coworker is, someone's probably raising their hand about you. <laughs> Let's face it, sometimes we're oil and water. We just don't get along with someone for some unknown reason. Love always wins. Now, this topic is way too big to fully embrace and expound upon on a Sunday morning. So I'm just going to leave it with Pastor Neil in the future to have to deal with all of the questions that come as a result because I really hope that you have questions and that you understand that it's perfectly okay to talk to your pastor who would love to bring some ministry in this area. See, we did talk about that, huh? Third, your value is not tied to a gift. Let's let that one settle for a moment. Who you are as a person is not tied to a gift or you have or don't have through Jesus Christ. It is not. If you are a singer, but you're not the greatest singer, it's okay. It has nothing to do with your value. If you are an athlete, but you're not the best athlete, so you're not going to play Division II football, it doesn't mean that you're devalued in the kingdom of God at all. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that the group that just got back from Ecuador would say that none of them felt gifted or called to do what they did, but yet they saw God do mighty and amazing things through them because of their obedience, because of their faith, because of things they didn't necessarily have control of, but God still worked through them. That's the important part. The most sought-after gift is often the one who does the most talking. Ephesians 4.11 says this. It's, it lists the gifts of the church, and I'm really looking for verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. It seems like a lot of believers, when they talk about the gifts and they want gifts, they want a gift that really puts them on a stage in front of people. And I know it's very ironic that I stand up here on a stage talking to a group of people saying, this may not necessarily be what you want to aspire to. I can tell you this, there's another biblical passage that goes with this that says pastors and teachers will face a greater judgment based on what they did or didn't do and how they handled the word of truth before the people of God. Because Jesus said what? You should count the cost. So you have to be careful what you ask for. But a lot of times people want those gifts. They want to be the worship leader. They want to be singing. They want to be playing rock and guitar, Mark. He does a great job. They want to do things that are just out there and up there because they're visible. And we're people. We're people. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I struggle with wanting to get a little bit of attention. It's easy to stand up here and, and go, give me, give, me a, give me a hand clap, give me a nod, give me a praise, give me an amen, give me something that makes me feel good. But it's not. It's, it's not good. There are other gifts that are just as important. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles. Why are we not asking for the gift of miracles or the gift of healing? Do you not think that Cook's Children's Hospital would not love it if they were invaded by a bunch of people 
with or without masks on, that every time they walked up and down the halls, it seemed that all those children got better. I'm guarantee you they would make room for us if that was the case. They would make room for us. But that's not a gift that you often see up on a stage. It's a gift that you will often see at work in a private moment. What about the gift of intercession? If you don't know what the gift of intercession is, it's this, um, it's this desire to want to pray alone oftentimes, sometimes with a small group of people, for other people, interceding on their behalf. This is a gift God puts inside of people to build up the church. Did you know that you could do that? That you could participate as a vital member of the church by simply praying for other people? What happens if we don't have that gift? Are we relegated to only the prayer time we do here then? Are we relegated only to my personal prayers for my life? That's not going to work. I don't know most of you, so I'm not going to pray for most of you. I mean, right? Good. Nods are good. Okay. Nods are good. I told you, sometimes I need it. The most outward-facing gifts, sometimes they're necessary, but they're not any more necessary than the rest of the gifts. You are not defined by your gift. You are defined by who you are in Jesus Christ. I was taught that when you say something like that, you need to let it sit for a minute. So I'm going to say it again, and we're just going to let it sit for a minute. You are not defined by your gift. You are defined by who you are in Jesus Christ. You're also defined by how you walk in repentance. Repentance should be something daily we seek. God's demands are very high. His grace is enormous through Jesus Christ, but it doesn't negate the fact that we have to identify our weaknesses, our failings, and our flaws and walk in repentance. In other words, one of our prayers should be, God, make me better today than I was yesterday. God, I know I don't have it all together. Help me get to where you want me to be. That's walking in repentance. And if you are able to see the flaws within yourself and move beyond them through the help of Jesus, you are walking in repentance. Keep walking in repentance. Keep striving for, for a closer relationship with him. Your gift should only be a reflection of your relationship with Jesus. Whatever your gifting is, whatever Thing it is that you do to encourage the body of Christ, to build the body of Christ, to facilitate meetings such as these, let it be a reflection of who Jesus Christ is in you. It does not have to be a reflection of who Jesus is in me or of Pastor Neil and Miss Debbie. It doesn't have to be that way. It needs to be a reflection of who Christ is in you. He uniquely made you who you are. He made you tall, skinny, short, whatever. He gave you your personality. Now, don't use your personality as an excuse to run roughshod over everyone. But let Christ simply be amplified through who you naturally are. Because God made you. And he loves you. And he wants you to embrace who you are through him. That's how real change will begin to happen. Now, all the gifts are needed in order for the body of Christ to operate. If there is no mouthpiece... 
there's often no proclamation. So if there's no evangelist, if there's no pastor, if there's no teacher, there's no instruction, that doesn't mean that you do not have the responsibility to feed yourself. It just simply means that sometimes the, the very loud open gifts, such as the gift of pastor or evangelist, they, they are there to encourage the body to help get us going in the right direction, to facilitate a learning environment. So if there's no mouth, where's the proclamation? But if there's no words of wisdom or words of knowledge, where's the application of biblical truth? See, if God gives you words of wisdom, if he gives you words of knowledge, that is how to apply biblical truth, the body of Christ needs you. Because oftentimes you're not going to be used maybe on a Sunday morning setting, but maybe on a Wednesday night or in a small group or in a one-on-one -on -one setting with another believer who's struggling. How many of you remember when you were a new believer? Three. All right, great. Man, y'all have been sanctified and saved forever. Can't even remember last week. That was a joke. It's okay. How many of you would have liked it if someone took a very set amount of time and worked one-on-one -on -one with you to simply get you moving in the right direction, to help you understand the Bible, the purpose of it, where you're really going, to answer your questions, to help you along. You can get that to a certain degree coming on Sunday mornings, but you really need that dirty D word, discipleship. You really need that time where one person is pouring into you and sacrificing their time, sharing their knowledge, their experiences. That's a biblical spiritual gift. It's a gift to the church, and it changes lives and changes not only that person's eternal destiny, but their family's eternal destiny. It changes everything. If there's no application to biblical truth, where are we? What about the gift of faith? Did you know that faith could be a gift? You have to have faith to believe. Certainly, that's a wonderful gift. But then there's those that can believe for the absolute impossible. They're the ones that say, I may not be a worker of miracles, but I believe the miracle is on its way. Even when they don't see it, they keep proclaiming it, and they truly believe it. They're not just saying it. They truly believe it because they know who God is, and that's how he uses them. And are those people not the most joy-filled believers you've ever been around in your life? The ones that just make you, you just can't help but smile when you're around them. Trust me, there are plenty of believers that are like the rest of the world that are kind of down in the dumps, a little grumpy and grouchy because the world's a tough place. We need people of faith to encourage us. Without faith, what is the point? Don't assign yourself a value to the church based upon the gift. Remember this, the pastor may be responsible for the church, but God can always get another pastor. Is that not true? God can always get another pastor. Ask any church who's gone through a pastoral change. They'll all tell you, yeah, yeah eventually we got another one. We're not special. We're not. We're just to use our gifts, and we're just to be obedient. God has uniquely assigned one or more spiritual gifts to you, so use it. Use it. Some people speak. Some people hold open doors. Some people pray for others. Some people make coffee. Some people clean up afterwards. Each of them are vital. Each of them are necessary. 
Don't feel like because your gift is not in the forefront or how, what the assignment God has you on, that it's not special, it's not meaningful. It absolutely is. One of the hardest ministries there is is ministry to children because it often goes overlooked. It's often out of sight and out of mind. And in the realm of church vocations, it's normally little or no pay. But it's vital and it's needed. What would the toddlers look like if they didn't have someone that was willing to sit in there with them to wipe their noses, to send them to the bathroom, and between all of that, actually just teach them, if nothing else, Jesus loves you. That, that's a gift, trust me. That, that, that is a gift. How Jesus gave me that gift for a small amount of time, I have no idea, but he, he did, just living proof. Some people speak, some sing, some pray silently. Whatever your gift is, whatever your calling, to minimize its impact is to say God has no idea what he is doing. I think we would do wise to understand that God knows us better than we, knows ourselves, than we know ourselves, and he understands what it is we should be doing. And he's helping us and giving us a place to facilitate that learning and that growth opportunity so that we can become not only the best believers that we can become, but so that we can save the most people we possibly can through our gifts, as well as encourage the body of Christ. He chose the gift he gave to you. Bless the church by using your gift. I can have Christian come up back to the keys. Acts 2, 1 to 4 says this, and, and we're closing, so I don't intend to keep you that much longer. But Acts chapter 2 starts and says this, on the day of Pentecost, so five days after the death, burial, and resurrection, 50 days after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, all the believers were meeting together in one place. They were encouraged to do so by Christ. He told them they need to meet together. You need to be praying and seeking the, the promise of the Comforter or the Holy Spirit who I'm sending. Okay? So they were just following Jesus' instructions. And it says, Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. A little scary. I would venture to say that if a mighty wind began to blow in here and there was a roar and kind of a shaking, we would not all be comfortable with that at this particular moment. There would be some that would sit under the seats. There would be some that would be out the door. Their spiritual gift is flight instead of fight. <laughs> it says, then what looked like, this is a little odd, I know, but bear with me. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Another man didn't give them the ability. The Holy Spirit did. And it didn't say that the Holy Spirit only rested on Peter. Paul wasn't even there yet. Didn't just rest on John. Said it rested on all of them. And we know later on that there was about 120 people meeting together in what is called the upper room. Later on, in, in verse 16 of Acts chapter 2, Peter gets up to preach. Peter, the guy that always stuck his foot in his mouth, the guy that cut off one of the, one of the, the Pharisees' guards' ear, 
to defend Jesus after he said, I'll follow you to the cross. Then they came to take Jesus to the cross, and Peter's like, I got you. You know, did the exact opposite. Peter, who denied Jesus three times during his mock trial, stands up with boldness, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and begins to preach, and he says, what you see predicted long ago was predicted by the prophet Joel. And he begins to lay out Joel 2.28, where he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. And thus to minimize Joel or to minimize what happened on the day of Pentecost is to completely eliminate the birth of the church. The church was born the moment the Holy Spirit came down, filled all the believers, and has been doing that ever since. If we don't embrace the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, as well as the gifts of the Holy Spirit, then we're saying the church is ineffective and pointless. That's what we're saying. That's what we're living. Note the empowerment has not been lifted, taken away, or is no longer available. I know that there are teachings that say that the time of the Holy Spirit, the era of the indwelling of the Spirit is gone. But it's not. It's not. There's no place in Scripture that says the Holy Spirit is gone and is no longer active. How do we know this experientially or just based off of our experiences? Well, first of all, we know that through reading that it's not, that's not true. Second, we know that people are still being saved. Who is it that sends the conviction that turns people towards Christ? The Bible says it's the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, therefore, must still be active among his people, the church. People are still being gifted in ways to edify and build up the church today, just as they were on that day of Pentecost. Therefore, we know that the Holy Spirit is still active among his people. He is the third part of the triune Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There is only one qualification to being filled with the Spirit, and that is to be a repentant believer in Jesus Christ. If you are not a follower of Christ, if you are not born again, if you are not saved, if you are not surrendered, however you want to wrap that up in whatever words you want to, if Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, there's no way you can be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and walk in the empowerment of the Spirit, no matter what. You might do good things. That's fine, but they're not the good things that God has for you and for His church. They might still be good things, but they're not His good things. There's a big difference for that. From Joel 2.28 to Acts 2, the Holy Spirit was first distributed in mass. The church was born, and the world has never been the same. So what was the result of the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit? We learn in verse 41 that over 3,000 people came to believe in that moment. What a church service. 120 people were meeting. Something spooky happened, a one-time event, and 3,000 people came to know Jesus. If you think that the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to give you a warm feeling or to give you a gift so that you can be propped up, you're wrong. It's to save the lost and to encourage and build up the church. That's the biblical mandate. That's the biblical pattern. And we still live in that biblical pattern and need to embrace that biblical pattern 
today. The purpose of the Spirit is to build the church, empower believers to be a witness for Christ, to save the lost souls of the world. But this cannot happen if you do not believe in the Holy Spirit. This cannot happen if you do not embrace the baptism of the Holy Spirit or walk in the fullness of the Spirit. Now, now is the time to be filled with this fullness to the overflow. Giftings come from the Holy Spirit, but ministry happens in the overflow. You may not understand all of this. Yes, thank God for Pastor Neil, because he'll be able to help you out later. I set you up well. Good luck. Many weeks of messages now, right? You cannot minister to others if your spiritual tank is empty. You can't. It's impossible. When, if the cup has no fluid in it, it can't be passed to someone else and them get a drink to quench their thirst. It's absolutely impossible. You can receive by faith, though, now. So with every, with every eye closed, but I'm going to ask you first to go ahead and stand. First and foremost, with nobody looking around, know, know that Jesus loves you. No matter who you are in this building, Jesus loves you so much to have facilitated all of this for you. If you would say, Pastor Michael, look, I, I, there's something going on inside of me. I can't really explain it. I, I don't understand. But I know one thing. I need this Jesus. Would you just simply lift your hand because I want to pray for you. No one's looking around. I'm not going to call you out. I'll say this, though. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. Just another 10 seconds. Thank you, brother. Okay, before we go any further, we're going to take care of some kingdom business of the utmost urgency. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And for those that lifted up their hands that said, you know what, today is the day. First, I want to commend you. I want to commend you for listening to the Spirit. I pray that you weren't, uh, you didn't feel bent or nudged by me in any way. But I don't believe it was. The words I'm going to say that I'm going to ask everyone to repeat together out loud they don't save you. But how you feel in your heart and saying, I don't have it all together and I want to surrender my life to Jesus, it's that faith that saves you. I'm going to ask everybody to repeat after me, though, because I want us all to come together around those that are receiving Christ today so that they know that they're not alone. So just simply repeat after me. Dear Lord, I admit that I am a sinner and I know that I need a savior. I lay my life down and I receive you now. I am forgiven and I am now a Christian in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Someone, somebody give God a hand clap of praise this morning.
The Bible says, the Bible says that when one lost sinner comes to faith in Jesus Christ, it says this about the heavens that we can't see. It says that angels erupt in praise to God the Father because they recognize the value and the importance of one lost soul coming to Christ. I want to encourage those that prayed that prayer. You, like I said, it's not a magic formula what I said. It was pretty simple. It's simply based on your faith and understanding of who you now are in Christ. I want you to be sure to connect with Pastor Neil after service. It's vitally important that you be bold enough to say, you know what, I need to get started on my journey right. So please, please, please um, just connect with Pastor Neil. I promise you, he, he, you will be welcome uh, completely among friends. Now about this Holy Spirit thing. Friends, there are two types of people when it comes to receiving the Holy Spirit. There are those that have never received, and they need what's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the first time indwelling. It's subsequent to salvation. It's different, but, it, but it's, it's necessary and it's needed. We talked about that. But there's this other part in the Bible where Paul says, keep on being filled. Because the more we minister, the more it gets poured out, the more we need to receive from Him. The good thing is, when we get filled with the Holy Spirit and we continually ask and continually get refilled, it's like we're plugged into a power source that never gets turned off. It's not like that February disaster where electricity went out and we're just left hanging. No, no, no. We've got enough. We've got a battery backup. We've got generator. We've, we've got tons of faith that's just waiting to be, to be accessed. So if you would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the very first time, or if you just want to be refilled, this is what I want you to do. I'm going to make you do a little bit of an action, not because the action itself does anything. It's just, it just helps us surrender a little bit. I just want you to lift one hand up in the air. All I want you to do is if this is you and you say, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't, you don't even have to tell your neighbor what's going on. Just simply, or if I want to be refilled. Now, now, now understand, this is not a spooky, crazy thing. All we're going to do is ask God to fill us right where we are. Nothing crazy is going to happen. As a matter of fact, normally, you don't necessarily feel any difference. Some might. Some might feel an overwhelming presence. I don't want you to be alarmed if that's the case. Some might feel the goosebumps. Some just might feel an overwhelming inner peace. But nonetheless, you will be because you're asking by faith. So I'm going to ask you also to not only keep your hand raised up if you're able to, if you're not able to understand, I'm going to ask you to pray just a little bit out loud because this is personal. This is personal. I'm going to ask you to pray loud enough to where it's audible for you, but low enough to where you're not scaring your neighbor. So if you talk real low, you may need to pray a little louder, but if you pray real loud and out loud, you may need to tone it down just a little bit. And it just needs to look something like this because I'm going to pray this too because my tank, I recognize it needs to be filled too. And I'm just going to pray, Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you. Lord, I need more of you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit now. Father, if you're filling them for the first time, you know their heart and you fill them for the first time. 
That's called the baptism. The, it, it, they're going to live in the overflow. And Father, for those that have already been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they just need to be refilled, begin to fill them now fresh and anew. And just keep filling them in Jesus' mighty name. And just keep asking Him, asking Him as long as He's, he, trust me, He is doing a work right now. And at this moment, at this moment, God is speaking to someone. It's like a little check in your spirit. You don't hear an audible voice, but yet you, you understand that, wow, this is the God of the universe speaking to me. And he's letting you know that he has your back. For somebody, God's telling you, about your future in ministry because he's calling you to vocational ministry and you don't know how and you don't know why but this is just the evidence that he's filling you and you're receiving it right now and for someone you're feeling an overwhelming peace you came in here with all the conflicts of the world and of life really dragging you down and right now you're beginning to feel the peace of God overwhelm you that's the spirit filling you up giving you the strength that you need just another few minutes while we wait here Someone might be feeling a little bit of emotions right now. It's just who you are and it's okay. Someone may not be feeling any emotions. That's who you are and that's okay. Your job's not to try to interpret how it is that God's speaking to you, but just simply receive by faith in Jesus' name. Just another few minutes. We're letting kingdom business take place right now. Even if you're not feeling something, there are those that are. And we want to respect their time with the Lord right now. Just another few minutes. Another few moments. Father, we thank you for the work that you have done this morning. We thank you for the work that you're continuing even after we depart this morning. God, I pray that you would impress it upon those that as they leave today and as they go through the week, that they would share their experience. They would share how natural, how unencumbered it felt to be filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. And I pray that you would enable them and show them how to walk in the Spirit and in the power of the Spirit. For those that were being refilled, I pray, Lord, that they would be filled to an overflow as well. And I pray that peace and joy would replace all the stuff that society and the world is laying at us right now. And I pray that we would all walk out of here knowing that you are the God who is in absolute control, who still rules and reigns supreme on the throne, who loves his children very much, 
who gives us giftings through the power of the Holy Spirit, who is our comforter and our friend. And we vow to use those gifts to build the church and to save the lost. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen and Amen.